The holidays are here, and that means that it is time for one very important thing. No, I'm not talking about gifts. I'm not talking about catching up with family, although all of those things will be happening. I'm talking about the fact that you need a drink. It's time to sip, shop, and stroll at the District at Tustin Legacy. There's an abundance of holiday spirit around every corner with eight participating restaurants creating fun and festive beverages to get you in the holiday spirit. Throughout the entire month of December, you can enjoy festive cocktails and beverages created by some of the best mixologists around. You'll also find a winter wonderland of decorations around every corner, creating perfect moments for festive holiday photos, in addition to a new nightly light show set to everyone's favorite holiday music in the AMC Courtyard every hour on the hour from 6 to 9 p.m. Grab your favorite shopping partners, peruse the various libation offerings, and get your merry on. There's no better way to do your holiday shopping in Orange County than with the Winter Cocktail Tour at the District at Tustin Legacy. For more information, go to wintercocktailtour.com. This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 107 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality community from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond each and every episode. Um, as always, I'm your host, Croft McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. First and foremost, thank you to my friend, Allie Coyle, who provides music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. As a reminder, if you enjoy the show and you're listening on free feed, Spotify, Apple, wherever that may be, please consider leaving a rating and or a review for the show. It helps bump it up in the algorithm to help other folks discover it. You can go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this. You can check out merchandise. The store is over there, etc. But do not forget for the very best listening experience that is only found to those who subscribe each and every month over on patreon.com. You can get early ad-free listening to each and every episode for as little as $2 a month, as well as exclusive access to the bonus episode uh, all of those launched, we're almost at the end of 2022 now, but that launched in the beginning of 2022, depending on when you're listening to this. It may already be 2023, but those are still going strong and can only be found on Patreon, as well as other exclusive content. And again, this episode is coming out end of December, and there is going to be some cool stuff coming for 2023. A lot of that is only found on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the best seats. Enough of the housekeeping, though. Again, I know first two minutes of the show every single time you got to do the housekeeping. It's part of the game, but I want to get to the show itself because I'm I'm so excited for this one. Um, when I first launched this podcast back in 2020, um, mid pandemic, I was trying to think. You know, I didn't. I didn't. It wasn't like now where I'm having to schedule episodes. You know, weeks, possibly months in advance. Um, guests are reaching out to me with interest on coming on the show, which is always humbling and flattering. When I first got it off the ground, I was kind of clawing and begging, and this was in the middle of COVID, and we couldn't meet in person. And if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know that the first like 20, 21 episodes were all via phone or digital and things like that. Um, but I was trying to think of who I want to have on the show. Who are people that inspire me? Who are friends that would give up a couple, you know, 
an hour of their time to support a new podcast? Who are people that I really, really revere um, and have made a big impact on not just the industry, but me and kind of my passion for it? And one of those people is my guest for this episode, Gabby Dion. Gabrielle Dion is the owner of the Mixing Glass and Market at the time of this recording, opened just about two, maybe three weeks. Um, obviously, the original Mixing Glass um, was open for many, many years, but she is in very, very many ways kind of one of the original people very responsible for cocktail culture currently here in Orange County. Um, she really, along with a handful of other people, launched what I still consider to be some of the best bar programs um, in Broadway by Amar Santana and their sister restaurant, Baca. She's mentored a lot of great bartenders along the way. A lot of people have worked for her um, or she's kind of worked along with people to really, really push what cocktail culture and great spirits can be in this area. With the Mixing Glass especially reopening now in this new location over in Costa Mesa and expanding beyond spirits into wine and food options and things like that, I wanted to sit down and get her on the show to talk about how this is not just a liquor store that sells food and some wine. This is not just your kind of your average market. This is really a love letter. And it's a love letter to great ingredients and supporting people that make great stuff. You're not just going to walk into their market, which is still being fleshed out and it's going to continue to grow. Again, they've only been open a handful of weeks at the time of this recording. You're not going to walk in and just find random produce and, you know, crap tortillas and some commercial hot sauce. No, you're going to find produce from Santa Monica Farmer's Market. You're going to find, you know, burritos, Las Palmas. You're going to find really lovingly curated things. And that's on the food side. Then you go to wine where she's rediscovering a passion for that. And let alone the spirits where every single bottle there is handpicked and an absolute banger and presents something completely special made by really wonderful people. It's, it's small, it's intimate, it's lovingly designed. It's beautifully curated. It's a fantastic space that is made by fantastic people. Um, what her and, you know, her partner and she's, it, it's a full family matter. I mean, it is quite literally a mom and pop and it's a beautiful one. And it is one that I am so excited to share with all of you. So enough about me gushing about this. Let's hear it from the lady herself. My guest for episode 107 of the best seats podcast, Gabrielle Dion of the mixing glass and market. Enjoy. Gabby, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down. You are somebody that I've wanted to get on the show since I first launched it back in 2020. Obviously, things were a little bit different then, and I wasn't able to get you scheduled on. Focus had to be just surviving 2020. But now, sitting here in the brand new mixing glass in market, only a couple of weeks old, at least at the time of this recording, getting ready to have its grand opening party. But for those that may not be familiar with you or kind of your background, would you mind introducing yourself and giving a little bit of your background? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name's Gabby, uh, sometimes Gabrielle Dion. Um, I started at P.F. Chang's in Orange County in like the early, early 2000s. Um, and then at that time, I really didn't know much about bartending. I, I, I thought I did. <laughs> I went on my first trip to Brooklyn and um, well, my first trip to New York because I'm from New York, but sat at the diner in Brooklyn and looked at the back bar and was like, what the fuck is this? I didn't recognize anything on the back bar. And I came back um, and realized I had a lot to learn. And I started reading. I mean, in 2000, that was 2000, maybe six or seven. Mm -hmm. There wasn't anything going on here in Orange County as far as craft cocktail movement. 
Um, and from P.F. Chang's, I went on to Pelican Hill um, and then eventually Charlie Palmer. And that was where I finally had a place where I could actually learn by spirits that I was interested in. The bar there let me have chartreuse and um, maraschino and things like that. And that was about 2008. At the same time, I met um, the original bartender cabinet crew. We had not started it yet, but it was a conversation about this is what's going on in L.A., um, at the time, L.A. had a similar group, um, and we thought, why can't we do the same? Let's educate bartenders like ourselves um, and kind of raise the game in Orange County at the same time. Um, and from there, I opened Broadway in Laguna Beach, uh, became the bar manager there with Ricky Arnall in 2011, and then we opened Vaca after that. Um, and I should mention in the midst of all that, I opened the mixing glass. Yeah. So the first iteration over at SoCo in 2014 um, was kind of my way of getting out of the bar. I had a 10 month old baby. I was still breastfeeding at the time, coming home uh, at two in the morning and feeding throughout the night. And I just, you know, had no sleep. So yeah, that can make it tough. Yeah. And, you know, I was traveling to the barkeeper in L.A. to get tools and things like that. And it was a bit of a way. So I thought yeah. we need something down here. Uh, Bobby Navarro really pushed me cause I was, you know, not ready to take a plunge or, and he kind of pushed me, brought me over to the city of Costa Mesa, showed me how to like apply for the license, uh, this conditional use permit, et cetera. We were told no right off the bat about, um, the concept because it's not understood. You know, liquor store is a liquor store. They sell cigarettes and lotto tickets, and that area was not approved for it. And yeah. he wouldn't take no for an answer. He pushed back. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty awesome. And now, kind of like I said in the intro, sitting here in new space, mm -hmm. before we kind of dive back into some of the background and, and specifically kind of craft cocktail culture and the movement um, as it relates to here in Orange County, obviously, what does it feel like to now have this brand new, much bigger, beautiful, bespoke space to be able to work in? I, I kind of got, I don't want to say tired of spirits. I've been in spirits a really long time, but I just had other desires and wants and I couldn't grow in that old space. There mm -hmm. just physically wasn't the room. We were told we weren't even allowed to plug in a cooler that the buildage, building was wadded out. Um, and so... I mean, I, for anybody who hasn't been to the old space, obviously we're talking, this is tight, tight quarters would be an understatement. Yeah, 300 square feet. So yeah. now, you know, um, to be totally frank, I got an SBA loan and... Uh, the silver lining of the pandemic was businesses like mine, little tiny businesses that could mm -hmm. never get like actual lending, lending with low interest rates were able to because of this, yeah. uh, you know, disaster. So I took advantage of that. Um, and it took a year to build this thing out and it's absolutely beautiful. And I'm bringing in food and cheese and wine and, um, produce from Santa Monica farmer's market and we're sourcing everything like we do for spirits. So yeah. putting into, um, putting thought into everything in the same exact ethos that we did for spirits. I want to get back to kind of when you started around that time you mentioned kind of 2006, I mean, even nationwide, the kind mm -hmm. of cocktail quote unquote revolution was only maybe a couple years old at that point. And it was really isolated to places like New York, Los mm -hmm. Angeles, San Francisco. What was it about, I mean, Orange County at the time you could have gotten away with doing less and guests probably would have been happy because people didn't know any better. A lot of people still don't know any better. What was it about kind of that passion to see these bottles when you went on that trip to Brooklyn and be like, no, I want to work with that. I want to work with that. What is that? Right. Well, it wasn't just seeing it, right? It was getting those drinks and being like, my God, this is a completely different animal. Like yeah. having a Mai Tai at P.F. Chang's involved 
you know, three different types of juices, a floater and probably some grenadine. I can't really remember exactly <laughs> what the recipe was, but far from what the actual Mai Tai was. So just tasting a drink that wasn't so laden with artificial ingredients. That was, that was a big eye opener. Um, and then, you know, coming back here, my background is bars, food and restaurants. My father was in restaurants. He had bars. I, I can tell you stories about the bartenders that used to, you know, tie cherries, stems and knots for me when I was a child and make yeah. me uh, grasshoppers that they said were virgin. But now looking back, I think probably had creme de menthe <laughs> in them. <laughs> but um, I just, I've always wanted more. And, and, and the culinary background I had was, was, you know, solidified. So it made sense. It was like the next step, like better ingredients. Yeah. Right. Better ingredients in food make such a big difference. Why wouldn't they in booze? So. I mean, I don't think your impact on the kind of cocktail scene here in Orange County can be understated enough. I mean, to obviously, you know, you mentioned kind of Charlie Palmer's where they let you free to really play with a lot of ingredients. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, Chef Omar Santana was there at the time. That's what led to Broadway and subsequently Vodka, arguably. And, and I've been saying this and I stand by this two of the best bar programs in the area. What's it like for you to look at those places? And obviously you've removed yourself from it now mm -hmm. to better balance out family life. But what's it like to see not just those two restaurants thriving, but other programs starting to take off as well? And knowing that, yeah, you had a big part to play in that. It's amazing. I really think that Orange County has changed a lot, especially from back then. I mean, you couldn't get a good cocktail at most places. I remember going, I won't name the bar, but it was 2000. I was working at Charlie Palmer, so it was 2008 or nine, and I ordered a Sazerac and it came on ice and it had a, a white clear liquid floating on top. It was Sambuca. <laughs> and shame on me for even ordering that at the time. But um, now, you know, seeing all these people that are passionate, bartenders I've never met before coming into the yeah. store and saying that, you know, I inspired them. It's really cool. I'm a terrible self-promoter. I really like don't, like to talk about myself. And so it, it really, those are like the best moments is just meeting people who are like, you've really influenced me. Well, now stepping out behind the bar, obviously the store up and running. I mean, talk about this new space a little bit because mm -hmm. it feels very much like you and your husband, Chris, this feels like your space. The mixing glass was always yours because there was so much love put into it. But this store is really a love letter to not just cocktails, but good wines, great food, things like that. Kind of talk about this space a little bit, because, again, only a couple weeks old at the time of this recording. People may not have had the chance to stop in yet when they do. What can they expect and kind of how did it come out in your mind? Right. Well, you know, a big part of the influence was in 2020 during the pandemic. I wasn't in the store a lot. I had both kids at home. Yeah. You know, it was a struggle. Um, and one of the things that were was like my like a safe space was going up to LA and going to some of these markets that had opened called one of them in particular is called Cookbook. And like it mm -hmm. was like, yeah. It was just a savior to my mental health going in there and picking out just like, you know, a $15 vinegar that, you know, doesn't seem like all that, but it would make your salad dressing like just like so much better. And yeah, every ingredient I picked up there made my home cooking better. It also made me realize that simplicity, you know, of course we, we consider simplicity in the bar, but like at home cooking, that was like, you know, using complicated recipes and complicated ingredients. And then um, reading a book like Sex Seasons um, by Joshua McFadden and seeing that like really what it comes down to is a really good well-stocked pantry. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so I, you know, I knew that I could never be cookbook in that way down here. Um, they have a lot of moving parts and, and it's such an amazing space, but it also isn't like a liquor store. So I wanted to take some influence from something like that and, and stock a well-stocked pantry here. We don't have everything, but we certainly have my favorite ingredients for home cooking. 
Um, and we're slowly going to grow it as we find that the community is embracing that portion of it. Um, Santa Monica Farmer's Market has been something that, you know, me and Michael have been going on farmer's market runs for cocktail rollouts at mm-hmm. Broadway um, pre-Vodka for years. And we would just walk the market, be inspired, pick up produce from up there and make ingredients based on it. You know, and that that, you know, was a different way of doing things for us. Like we were very much doing spirits, basing drinks on spirits. But there it was like, all right, look at these papayas. Look at these crazy little apple bananas. Like, how can we turn these into drinks? And yeah. so being able to offer those ingredients here as well, like going up and picking the same type of produce and having it here um, was really important. And then wine being the next part was um, something that's been a bit of an adventure for me because I was focused on wine prior to cocktails. Um, I just got my first level psalm, but, uh, at the same time I started being really like excited about spirits and then I just never looked back at wine. Um, and so now being able to come back full circle and learn about wine again, because I, I, everything is so dusty in my brain as far as like regions of France and, and things like that. So I'm having to relearn a lot of it. Um, but my palate is something that I'm relying on yeah. and picking things that I know um, make sense and also selecting a wine catalog that has like balance a lot like we did for cocktail menus. Right. Mm-hmm. I can't have everything that, you know, I like, which would just be a bunch of cold weather white wines. I have to <laughs> kind of spread it out um, and then embracing a, a, like a little bit of classic like um, styles, but then also some room for natural wines. Um, and natural wines aren't, you know, a new movement. People are kind of treating it like it's this new thing, but yeah. there are producers in Italy and France that have been making natural wines for you know, forever, forever yeah. and, um, low intervention. And that's, you know, something that's important to us too. I, the natural wine part is interesting. You know, I was traveling back East recently and went to a wine shop and had a great, you know, what's known as a pet nat for people that may not be familiar with that basically mm-hmm. f- ferments in its own bottle, but mm-hmm. it's from Slovenia been made for many, 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 many years. Um, What's it like now to, you know, you mentioned kind of why you're bringing some of these different items into the store, but what's it been like to have, yes, you know, people that have shopped with you before come into the new space and be like, oh, whoa, you're doing all of this now. And there's even more room to grow. It is wild. I mean, I I understand when they come in that there's there's so much to look at that they often can't see everything on a visit. It's, it's just, like every corner you look in, there's something to see. So I try to take people on a little tour of the shop and um, they seem to really like that. And then I get most excited when I see someone holding a basket and they've got like a bunch of grocery items and, you know, uh, harvest and cheese along with some really great crackers and, you know, a beautiful jam made, you know, locally. Yeah. Um, from the kind of the shop itself, not just what's in it, but the shop itself. I mean, I know this is an audio podcast and people are going to have to go on social media or come into the store themselves to really get the full experience of it. But it's just beautiful. I mean, every single corner of it is stunning. What Mm -hmm. was the design process like? I mean, bringing all these things together, because again, this is a big investment. This is, you know, putting your life into this and you could have just put up shelves and called it a day. But Mm -hmm. as much as these spirits, the wines, the food is all kind of a curation of, you know, your love for these products, they're showcased in a really, really beautiful space. Talk about the design process a little bit of mixing glass and market. For sure. Um, well, the space itself was very raw, um, but it had windows in the front and mm-hmm. windows in the back and it had so much light. And so that was what really attracted me to the space. I love plants. I knew I wanted plants in the space because of the light. Um, and I knew I wanted it to be like bright and like, you know, young and like 
feeling kind of warm and welcoming. Um, and so I turned to my friend, Erin, who actually works at Broadway. Um, she studied in interior design and we kind of talked together about what would make things work. Mm-hmm. And um, she really had a heavy hand in helping with all the different types of materials from the terrazzo countertops um, to the wall colors, to the, like the, you know, light fixtures that are hanging. And then I was instructed by ABC to separate liquor and wine and that entire non-alcoholic area. So the spirits are kind of walled off. And so I really wanted to make that room like a showpiece because otherwise you might just forget about it. And that wasn't something that, you know, spirits are still very important to me and I don't want it to seem like we've kind of just turned our back on that. So when you walk into that room and you see the under lit countertops or I'm sorry, shelving, um, it just makes a statement and it really like it, it, makes every bottle pop and, and makes you wonder what, what is that? Um, so that those were all really important factors for me when designing it. Erin's a really awesome person. I, I, I know her and she's great. So that's really awesome to hear that she had a big hand in that. She really did. Um, as much as you're kind of evolving and there are food options now and there are wine options, traditional and natural and, and all these kind of different things. I mean, you know, I just found out you're carrying one of my favorite hot sauces and I think it zabs the name of it. So mm-hmm. instantly grabbed a bottle of that. You are known for spirits and obviously that kind of cocktail portion. You know, we are recording this. This is right before the holidays. People may be hearing it afterwards, but again, there's kind of an evergreen nature to a lot of these bottles. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you're currently carrying that they could either be new or they could be older, you know, expressions that you just really love where it's one of those bottles that you walk by every day and you see it on the shelf and you're like, God damn it, that's good. Right. Um, Well, mezcal is always like my number one bottle that I reach for. Um, and we always have like this rotating, beautiful, like selection of spirits. Um, but there is a little, little known brand called Lamada. Um, and there is a Durango up there, uh, that I'm really in love with. Um, it's just, there's such a sense of place with mezcal. You really can feel like you're there. This Durango bottle in particular, um, is, you know, distilled in the mountains. And when you look at the pictures of where it is, there's, you know, pine, growing all around you and you can, you can feel it, taste it in the bottle and it's, it's wild and magical. Um, and you know, I love tequila as well, but you know, using only one plant, you really just get the same flavor profiles yeah. again and again. Um, and not to say that there aren't brands out there that have more, um, flavors like the Cascanes Blanco is wild. It's super fun. That's a tequila. Um, that's another one that's popping out at me because I was like, wow, this is like, it's not just vanilla and earth tones and yeah, you're actually getting right. way different things. I'm getting fruit in it, you know, and that's something that I always look for in mezcal is like tropical fruits are like my like weak spot when it comes to mezcal. But, um, there's also a distiller out of New York that I'm pretty much loving everything that she's making, um, matchbook distilling. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a strawberry Amaro over the summer. That was wonderful. Um, and then now she has a blueberry Amaro. That's also wonderful. And it's more of the winter vibe. Um, but she also makes, you know, single malts and she makes a bourbon and she makes, um, some really interesting liqueurs. She has a smoked pineapple eau de vie. That's wonderful that sounds phenomenal yeah Yeah, she's crushing it and she's out like the farthest tip of long island and just doing what she wants to do and i'm here for it i mean well it's time for a little commercial yeah i don't know about you but 2020 had me re-looking at how i live and the space that i live in Spending so much time at home, 
really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potage comes in. Heirloom Potage designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef, owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotage.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potage, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloom potage. If you listen to the best seats at all or read the content, then you know the motto, live well and often. But what does it mean? In layman's terms, It's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more so you can put a big smile on your face every single day. Amass Botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin, and everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent. Now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate by going to amass.com and using the discount code, thebestseats15, that's C-E-A-T-S, at checkout. Now it's limited one per customer, so make sure you load up. But trust me, you can't go wrong with anything they're doing. I stand by Amass 100%. They're one of my go-to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house. So again, Go to amass.com, that's A-M-A-S-S, and use the code THEBESTSEATS15 at checkout. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. I'm here for it. I mean, you know, so many of these products are products that people like you and I love, a lot of kind of our friend group loves, a lot of people that listen to this show love, but there are a lot of people out there that, and again, drink what you want. I just think there's better stuff to drink. They are very much a, you know, Tito soda, that's it. What would be your kind of pitch to when somebody comes in the store on why why there's more to mezcal than just, and I hate when people do this, oh, it's, it's not that smoky at all. I'm like, mm-hmm. stop it. There's more to it. But what would be the pitch on why they should try some of these different bottles, some of these smaller producers, some of these just different ingredients that someone, someone who's listening to this is probably Googling right now, what is eau de vie? They just don't right. know. What's kind of the pitch into getting customers into some of these new products? I feel like if you care about what you put into your body, like you're drinking Tito's and soda for some sort of caloric reason reason or whatever it might be. Why not care about where your spirits are coming from, how they're being produced? Is it like an ethical situation, especially spirits coming out of Mexico with all these celebrity tequilas and now they're, you know, I think it's Lenny Kravitz has so, so tall now. Yeah, like, yeah. We're just Lenny gonna... Kravitz has so tall. The first celebrity so tall. Which yeah. So why so not like carry these brands that really do care about and put money back into you know the Mexican economy and, and the people that work and build these um, make these brands. Yeah. Um, that's one of my pitches. My other is you know when it comes to vodka soda, um, 
there's nothing wrong with it. I, I get it. If you're just trying to like have a vibe, you know, and you, you want a solid like yeah. hangover free cause, kind of thing. Cause and effect. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty great way to go. Um, but if you're interested in tasting something delicious, you know, a vermouth and soda, maybe it has a little bit of sugar in it, but it's really not that bad. And it's so much more flavor. Yeah. Low ABV. You know, there are so many beautiful vermouths now. There's a mom and pop out of, I believe it's Napa. She's got a bunch of different fruit-based ones, a Meyer lemon one that's fabulous, but it probably is seasonal and I'm going to sell it when it's not even available. Yeah. But they have a blood orange one for the holidays and it's just got this, you know, warm winter spice, put a little bit of soda water with that and a twist of an orange peel and got a cocktail in a glass without much effort. I think for some people, cocktails, and I don't want to dwell on cocktails the whole episode, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about it, especially because we're recording this around the holidays and I know that... The hard part about getting a business open, especially during a major shopping season, is you got to get word of mouth out. And especially when it comes to liquor, because you are up against BevMo's and Total Wines. And, and even though I love everybody who works there, high times, I mean, you mm-hmm. have, this is a competitive space. People's time is very important. So getting that word of mouth out, you know, cocktails, I think, can be intimidating for some people. It's kind of like cooking, but mm-hmm. there's obviously the cost to entry if you buy a bottle that you don't love. Maybe there's bar tools. I mean, you guys do cocktail kits. I mean, how do you also help kind of educate along with the cocktail kids? I mean, there is that kind of level of education. Yeah. I mean, just starting this weekend, I had uh, a woman wanting to buy tins and she doesn't know the difference between, you know, a hot, um, I'm sorry, a Boston shaker or mm-hmm. a three piece cobbler. Yeah. And so just like taking one, cause they tend to want cobbler shakers, home bartenders. Right. But they are also the most problematic shaker. They get stuck. You can't get them open. It's they're such little assholes. They are little I, assholes. Yeah. And a Boston shaker is so much easier, especially a tin on tin. And, and generally consumers don't understand that. And often she just wanted to buy the bottom part. And I was like, well, you know, and so we kind of <laughs> walk her through and she's like, I don't think I'm going to be able to get it open. And it's just like, I can take it, slam my hand on the top and then teach her one little trick. Mm-hmm. And she pops it open three times in a row. And, you know, things like that, that hand on hands on experience, they're not going to get at, you know, any of the places that you mentioned, you know, um, and while I do respect all of those stores that that is what sets us apart, you know, building, building that level of respect, people coming in just for that. And we kind of became the gift store for sure at the location where we were selling, you know. I mean, at Christmas time, we had crinkle paper just flying everywhere while we're making cocktail sets. And so how do you then transfer that knowledge to the person, the gift receiver, right? The recipe card for us was something that we really thought through. And it's the same card that we've been using for nine years. Um, It has, you know, the type of glassware that they're supposed to use, the type of method that they're supposed to use while making the cocktail, whether it's shaken or stirred. We have quick shake, um, dump, whether it's like a Kuiperina, you know, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing on there. And so we're trying to involve every little bit of information. And oftentimes we have to write the syrup recipe on the back um, to make just a basic turbo. You know, I don't know if you know this, but I don't sell simple syrup. I'd like refuse to sell simple syrup. It's 15 cents of sugar in a glass with some water. And I'm not going to charge 10 to $12 for it. No, just make it at home you're fine <laughs> they're always so surprised when you're like no, no no you don't have to put the stove on like you can just put it into a jar and shake even parts of sugar and water and, you'll and have, you're fine and yeah. you're fine so i think you know those kind of interactions are what's important to teach people um and you know like we have mixing glasses and we'll show people how exactly to stir we talk about exactly you know everybody's like how long how long do you stir it for well there's so many different you know factors so we kind of just explain like depending on the type of ice depending on how high your spirit is um, the best option is to just taste as you go and yeah. make your decision based on that. And then you train yourself. It only takes a few times and then you've got it. 
I mean, I kind of mentioned that you guys are doing, you know, where we're recording right now, you've got two of them ready to ship out in front of us, but mm-hmm. you guys are doing these kind of holiday cocktail kits. And obviously now you can do it with food options as well. Mm-hmm. But for people that may be hearing this kind of right in December when this episode launches, can you kind of describe those a little bit, kind of what goes into them? You mentioned the recipe cards, which mm-hmm. I have such a crush on from a paper stock standpoint. It's not even funny. They're awesome looking. Um, but the cocktail kits themselves, again, if they if they didn't want to be able to come in, if they can't come into the store, if something right. was going on, they can't come in. They can order these online. Right. I mean, you're doing online sales out of here, too. Yeah, these two right here are old-fashioned kits from our website. And they, you know, they're not as interchangeable on the website, but there's mm-hmm. still, you know, about five that you can just pick and choose from the Manhattan to the old-fashioned to just a tool set that we call the whole shebang to get like you know your mom you keep going over her house for thanksgiving and she doesn't have a jigger she doesn't have a juicer she doesn't have you know anything it's like just send her a whole shebang kit yep especially if she's asking you to make cocktails every time you go which is like my 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 mom yeah i know that paint no yeah i I bring my own tins (laughs) (laughs) exactly so you you kind of have all of that but when you're in store you know we don't have that cart with four of them on display like we did at the other store Um, but we have two and i i have run into two people who are like are you guys still doing those kits? And we are, but they've always been customizable. Yeah. So like while the Manhattan and the old fashioned kit have been our two most popular, we're always rotating the other two, whether it's an artillery, which is one of my favorite martini variations, mm-hmm. a margarita kit with like some sort of like liqueur, like Sheila, which is like a smoky, um, like spicy, somewhat sweet, um, liqueur for Mexico city, whatever it might be, we, we can customize it to your receiver and what they actually are into. That's awesome. Sky's the limit. I mean, just getting outside of the boxes and kind of those gift sets in general, what's it like for you in a time where, again, you can't, you can't talk about anything without kind of talking about the elephant in the room, which was 2020. And that was such a crusher for so many small businesses, even at a time where people, you know, liquor sales for stores were going through the roof. Mm -hmm. Um, What's it been like from a retail standpoint to now you're in the position of getting the name out there again? I mean, people know the mixing glass in this area, but now it's a new space and now there are new offerings. And what's it like to try and kind of fight through all that other marketing noise to get people into what is still a mom and pop small business? Right. You know, we um, we always had people that were like curious, but never really were into cocktails. And perhaps this is just not their thing or they're sober, you know. And now we have options for those people and those customers are also coming back. They're like, you know, I haven't drank in three years, but I'm so excited to see all these other things you have. There's neighborhoods to the left and right of us and, you know, the thoroughfare down to Huntington. And those people are popping in, you know, and they've never heard of the mixing glass. And Mm -hmm. they're, you know, not necessarily here for spirits. They are here for food or they're here for wine. Um, And that word of mouth is really important for sure for us. We're trying to do targeted ads on Instagram and that kind of thing. I'm just being welcomed to the belly of the beast. <laughs> it's a monster. It out is there. a monster. I know. And I'm really, you know, trying to navigate it as a small business is quite difficult, but we got really lucky in 2020. You know, we, we did not explode like other liquor stores did. I know most of my friends that were in other, other shops were just experiencing this exponential growth. We were inside of a shopping mall that was yeah. pretty much shuttered. Nothing else was open. Um, and that really was a detriment to us. Um, but we pivoted, we started doing some, uh, shipping for companies that, you know, a lot of small brands ran into huge problems where they didn't have um, s- space on shelves in liquor stores. They yeah. were exclusively to restaurants and they found themselves scrambling. And so we became direct shippers for three different 
companies where their orders through their websites, um, we fulfilled them because they legally cannot. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And so that helped us a lot and we ended up being flat. So from 2019 to 2020, we didn't go up, we didn't go down, but you know, thankfully we, we kept it right where Live it was. Live to see another day. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I, I want to mention, I was going to bring this up and I was looking for the segue into doing it, but you kind of naturally did it for me. Um, one of the things that did happen through 2020, and I wrote a story about this last year was the rise of sobriety. A lot of people really came to terms with their drinking when they were locked inside mm -hmm. and had to kind of rethink some things and rightfully so for their own health. And obviously the best wishes to everybody who has now chosen to be sober. But one of the things that also started rising and it was happening a little bit before 2020, but it really mm -hmm. has exploded lately is non-alcoholic spirits, non-alcoholic cocktails, the mocktail, whatever you want to describe it as. If somebody comes in here, obviously they know there's food options, but they're hearing wine, they're hearing cocktails. They're like, okay, well, maybe it's not for me because I don't drink or I don't drink as much or I'm drinking a lot less. Um, I mean, there's even cocktail books that have come out about the rise of those. I mean, I want right. to say like Sipping Lightly just released and that one's all about kind of low ABV or no ABV. Mm -hmm. Talk about the rise of the non-alcoholic spirit. Right. So really briefly, not low ABV drinks so have always been a close thing yeah. to my heart. Um, but mocktails were always something that was, were special to me. I remember going to death and co in 2000 and I want to say it was 2009. Um, and I was with some friends who were non-industry, not really that into cocktails. Um, and we had been dragging them on, you know, the cocktail jaunt. Um, uh -huh. and so we arrive at death and co later into our day. Um, and then one of the people within our group did not want to have a drink. And so she just ordered a diet Coke and the cocktail waitress was wonderful and talked her right into a mocktail. And, you know, this is definitely pretty, pre low or non-alcoholic spirits. And that mocktail was the best cocktail on the table. <laughs> Not that the rest of them weren't, but it was like an eye-opening experience for me. And so immediately we were offering those. And then shortly thereafter, you know, within a couple of years, I was pregnant and we were at Bar Smarts down in San Diego mm -hmm. at a very well-known craft cocktail bar. And I uh, was visibly pregnant with a bunch of bartenders and I ordered a mocktail and the guy was so annoyed with me and he made me a lemonade and then dashed peach bitters while like angrily glaring into my eyes. And that just further cemented the fact that like people shouldn't be alienated. hundred um, percent. Everybody should be welcome at a bar. Right. Yeah. So we always like had some sort of mocktail situation going on. And what I would do yeah. was I would substitute um, the alcohol with water. Yeah. And then I would include all of the other, you know, whether it was juice or whether it was tea or whether it was, you know, bitters that were from a non-alcoholic standpoint um, and then herbs and, and fruit. And, you know, if you just shook out lemon juice and muddled herbs, you'd end up with a very small amount. And so it was quick that I realized that just adding water was enough. Um, and then, you know, the first thing I tried was seed lip. And yeah, they were really kind of the, one of the first one, not the first to market, but the first one to really kind of explode. Yeah. And I, I couldn't cost it to make it make sense on a menu. You know, my, the restaurant owner, Ahmed, is, is he's um, Muslim, so he does not drink. Mm -hmm. And he's a big embracer of mocktails. But the idea of having a, a cocktail on our menu, a mocktail on our menu that was the same price as a cocktail was yeah. like, no way. And, I, and for, for those that aren't listening, uh, this is the owner of Broadway that we're talking about. Yeah, this right. would have been during Broadway's years and kind of. Right. Really and now, again, this was pre, you know, 2018, yeah. 2016. So maybe it wasn't like, you know we've come full circle cocktails are more expensive now than ever. Um, but it's, it's something that we have not fully embraced with all, all the non-alcoholics, but it's something we're working on. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people are coming in and asking about them. Um, and I know there are a lot of options, so it's something that we're going to spend 2023 figuring out. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Um, before we kind of wrap this up, because I'm going to keep you around for a bonus episode for Patreon subscribers, but as we kind of wind down this main episode, um, trends are ever going on in the cocktail world. I mean, I, there's not a day that goes by where I don't get a press release about something, and you can kind of see them happening a little bit, but from the retail standpoint, what are some of the trends that you're seeing? Are certain products starting to take off? I mean, it seems like agave spirits really exploded during 2021, um, mm-hmm. even more so than they already were, but are you seeing, you know, is gin coming back or is, is the Pisco, is P- Pisco ever going to have its moment? I mean, what kind of trends are you seeing? Yeah. Um, of course, agave spirits and gin both are very high sellers for us. Um, gin is our highest category of spirits, which mm-hmm. is wild. Um, but it's always been something that we've stood behind and we're rotating in all these beautiful gins constantly. But the thing that I've seen rise the most is aperitivos and vermouth. Yeah. They are like, they have really like shot forward. Um, since 2014, when we opened, we had like, we struggled to have more than five vermouths on the shelf. And now it's like, you know, begrudgingly like becoming our largest category on the <laughs> shelf and not begrudging to me, to me. Cause that's like one of my favorite go-tos when I'm too tired to make a cocktail at home is vermouth and soda with a citrus peel. Um, and the sky's the limit as far as like, you know, we talked about those mom and pop ones that are very like different in, in style to like something, say like a Cokie. Um, but the aperitivo section, right? We had Campari and Aperol, and now there's all these domestic brands making aperitivos. Yeah. There's a, a bunch of new ones coming in from Italy that most people have not seen before, um, and they generally don't have any artificial coloring in them, um, and they tend to be a bit more bitter, a little bit less sweet, and so I kind of feel like they're a little bit more fun to play with than the basics. Um, and then, of course, you know, which cocktails are becoming more popular quickly and it's the espresso martini i know the spro the spro loco i saw somebody name it on their menu and i'm, I'm trying to make that stick as vernacular but the espresso martini is unstoppable it's wild because you know i i came up making espresso mar- martinis with baileys yeah. you know and frangelico and like all these desserty type drinks back in the early aughts and then A liquid cake yeah basically oh, yeah. yeah and then when we got to broadway in 2011 we we were struggling against those requests where mm-hmm. people wanted dessert drinks. And so Ricky and I came up with a deconstructed espresso martini that we liked where we floated that cream on top and it was stirred vodka or gin. Sometimes we would use cognac with espresso and some sort of sweetener. Maybe, you know, during the holidays we'd jazz it up with like a cinnamon syrup or something yeah. like that. Um, and then great, you know, handshake the cream floated on top. And, and that was in 2011. Now I see those everywhere. It's it's super fun. Um, but, you know, it can still be made terribly, but it can still be made really well. And so we're trying to help people figure out how to make it. I had a lady in yesterday and she had, you know, she just turned 21. <laughs> oh God, and I was God like, okay. Her. And she was buying, we have these uh, espresso martini uh, cocktails by Golden Rule. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just pour this and then float some like heavy cream on top and shave a little coffee bean. She was all excited. That's awesome. Um, again, I'm going to wind down this main episode and I want to thank you for the time on it, but for people who they want to come into the shop, they want to find you guys on social media, things like that, websites, Instagram handles, where can people do all that at? Yeah, we are on Instagram at the mixing glass. Uh, we are online at, uh, the mixing glass Um, and yeah, please come in. We're at 1500 Adams in Costa Mesa, um, right across from the habit and the Vons at that shopping center at Harbor and Adams. 
And it's not just shopping. I mean, you guys sometimes do like tastings in like in here and things yeah. like that. We're trying to schedule a tasting in store every Saturday from 12 to 3. That's awesome. Yeah. I think we're leaving off the 17th of December just because it's going to be. Yeah. It'll be pre-holiday madness. So. Yeah. Insane in here. But yeah. um, we're trying to do that. 2023, we're looking to get our consumption of wine and beer on premise license. So, That'd be great. Yeah. We'll be doing more wine tastings and cheese pairings and that kind of thing. That's awesome. Hopefully in 2023 sometime. Well, congratulations again on getting the doors open. The space is beautiful. The product selection is just stunning. And I cannot wait for everybody who is ever thirsty or hungry to be stopping through these doors. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to Gabby for taking the time to sit down. Um, I'm so lucky that we were able to get this podcast in. This was right before the grand opening. She unfortunately got sick right after and just wasn't able to even be at her own grand opening. So I hope that you will stop in and support her and support her family and support what they're doing. Go say hi, pick up a bunch of stuff. If you're listening to this again, when this episode comes out, um, for Patreon subscribers, it's well before Christmas. If it's coming out on free feeds just around Christmas and you're in the area, you still have time. Go get some gifts for people there. Go support a really, really awesome business and you will learn a lot. I, I don't care how much you think you know about wine spirits. You walk in there, you're going to find some bottle that is going to blow your mind and you're going to get some amazing snacks on top of it. So go check out the mixing glass and market. You will have a great time. Thank you to all of you who are listening on free feeds. Thank you to everybody who supports each and every month on Patreon. I could not do this without you. 2023 is going to be even bigger. A lot of great stuff to come as we wind down this year. And if you're already listening to this in the new year, happy early new year to you. But come on, you could have had it early on ad free on Patreon and ad free. Speaking of you, thank you to all the advertisers who do put those advertisements on free feed. I could not do it without all of you as well. Thank you to Ali Coyle who provides the music for the show once again, because it's the only reason it sounds good good. Love you all. Thank you so much. If I don't speak to you until 2023, you have great holidays, but make sure you still tune in because there's more episodes and content to come. We ain't done yet. People, make sure to tip your bartenders. Don't drink and drive and stay off of Yelp. I'll see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Cheryl McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Burrito No Rito, Sarah Hines, Subtle Bubbles, Jay Baker, Tim Swine, John Sanchez, Timothy. Thank you for your support.